0: Hello and welcome to Tommy Talks, the weekly podcast bringing you inside St. Thomas athletics where we'll get to know those who wear the purple and gray. This week we are joined by an alum, Jazz Hampton, who played football and rugby for the Tommies, among his many other activities. Jazz tells us about his diverse campus life and how that has helped him succeed. We also talk about how he ended up at St. Thomas and the app called Turn Signal he co-founded to help make getting stopped by the police safer for everyone. You can subscribe to Tommy Talks on Apple and Spotify, and if you love it, please give us a five-star ranking. Now, here's our conversation with Jazz Hampton on another edition of Tommy Talks. What drew you to St. Thomas? Because I know it was a little bit of a unique thing that got you to become a Tommy. Yeah, you know, I'm the youngest of
1: four, and of my four siblings, I'm the only one that went to a private high school here in, in Minnesota, so I went to Academy of Holy Angels. And when I was there, I met a lot of friends, uh, you know, lifelong friends, and one of them was uh, Ricky Marguerite. So I was applying to schools, and I wasn't really familiar with the process, and I applied only to River Falls uh, initially, and I was going to go play football over there. It's where my older brother went. Um, but my friend Ricky Marguerite was like, you have to apply to St. Thomas. I'm doing it. Willie is doing it. A lot of our friends are going to go, you have to apply. I knew it was financially out of the question for me at the time. Sure. um, But, you know, my friends were doing it, and he encouraged me to, and a few faculty, like Jesse Foley at Home Angels did as well. So I did. So I applied, and then, you know, one day I was cleaning my kitchen, and I opened an envelope, uh, that happened to be from St. Thomas, and I read it, and I was notified of a scholarship that I received to go here, um, and it made it a no, no-brainer no at that point. You know, I knew it was a school that I wanted to go
0: to. It just was a financial means question, and once yeah. that barrier was removed, it was game over for the decision. How much of that was football, and how much of that was the academics? You know, I,
1: I got to say it was it was pretty heavily academics. I, I knew that it was a really, you know, I had gone from being a, a public school student, you know, through my middle school age, and I had moved to a private school that really uh, helped me develop academically in a way that, that I knew that I didn't have the opportunity to previously. And I wanted to continue that kind of, uh, exceptional opportunity in education. Um, and I knew St. Thomas could do that for me. So, and then, you know, the, the additive of, of the team and, you know, that was at the time Glenn Caruso was just starting as well. Um, a lot of my friends being here, that was, it was, uh, that was icing on the cake for sure.
0: Yeah. Cause the football program at that point wasn't what it is now, right? It was kind of rebuilding a little bit under Glenn Caruso at that point. So it didn't have that, reputation of listen come to St Thomas you're gonna win some football games
1: yeah that I, that came uh, over the course of my four years was kind of when that the tide turned when I was here um, my roommates really uh, at the time were really some of the dominating forces from Dakota Tracy and Fritz and Willie and Ricky Marguerite all of those guys were you know part of that turning tide along with of course, Glenn and the entire team here. So
0: Yeah. So you didn't play all four years, right? You you played for a couple of years and then moved to rugby, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I
1: <laughs> when I was here, Brady Irvin had transferred from a D one school and he was just an absolute stud of a free safety. And I was I was a few places behind him on the depth chart. Um and I appreciated that and I knew that, you know, I could allocate my time maybe in other places, um, still live in the football house with the football guys and live yeah. that live the the experience but Um, allocate my time elsewhere. So I joined clubs. I became, you know, the junior and senior class president, uh, president of a couple uh, clubs on campus. And then, of course, playing rugby as well was something you could slide in
0: there too. (laughs) (laughs) Rugby to me is an interesting thing, right? Because it's a lot like football. Yeah. But you take all of the pads away.
1: Yeah. And it's a little crazy. It is. But, you know, what you learn early on is because of the pads... You, you care a lot more about your body during those interactions. So pads sometimes make you feel like you're a gladiator and you can do, go do anything you want. And we know from all of the things we've read in the last five, six years that that isn't necessarily true when it comes to using pads. But when you are you don't have a helmet on, Uh, You don't, for the best examples, you don't cross your head across their body when you tackle. You keep your head on the near side so a knee doesn't drive up and hit you in the face, right? Right. Um, And actually, um, the Seahawks have done a great job of of adapting rugby-style tackling into their football program. Um, it's really impressive how they can kind of translate some of that. But it is a it is a different sport. I've, you know, broken more bones and, and <laughs> more bloody noses, that's for sure.
0: Um, when you – so you make the transition and you start getting more involved with the student side uh, of everything, with the clubs and the class presidencies. What drew you to that? Was that always something that was just part of your DNA? Yeah, you know, I – Anyone who knows me knows I'm one of the
1: most extroverted people in the entire world. I just love meeting new people. I love connecting. And I love trying new things. I had never played rugby before. The The club I was a part of was like a performing arts club. I had never done any singing or dancing or anything of that nature. And I became the president of that club, uh, Pulse, here on campus. It was all new things, but you got to meet so many new people. And, you know, why come to a campus with a diverse student body, with people from all over the country and the world? Right. You aren't going
0: to go meet them, right? So tell me about the, now you have me with the Pulse thing, the performing. So did you dance? Did you sing? Yeah. So it was, uh, I think maybe I rapped
1: one song, but it was mostly dancing. And it was like, it it was such a, like a slow migration. It was like, hey, yeah, I'll I'll do this hip hop dance with you. And so I was like, hey, what about this lyrical and modern one? I was like, I don't know. But it was a great way to meet people. Um, I met my now wife there. So it was, it was a great way for me to meet people both uh, that I hadn't met already or that I didn't know too well already and people that I wanted to, you know, grow friendship with.
0: what is more grueling football or dancing
1: <laughs> honestly uh, football at least you, you know the play it's yeah. like here's the play like when you have to create things from from the ground up and and try to use that creativity it's just it's a lot more like mental uh, exhaustion yeah. you know you know if you if you're in cover blue you know exactly what your responsibilities are and you just have to execute it so uh, they both had had their
0: challenges that's for sure so after you did the pulse I'm now'm fixated with this uh, did you Think okay, this this is satisfying something for me. That extroverted side, maybe that hamming it up a little bit, or just the performing side.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think meeting all the people, there was like 130 people in the club at the time. So wow. I was meeting so many people, kind of a leadership position, learning how to navigate. It was like the, you know, now in my work, I, you know, we have teams that each of us have to lead. And, and in my previous role, I also had to lead. Uh, learning that from a very early onset was something that uh, was valuable, I think, in my development. So, yeah, the getting to to, to do that was one piece but the performing was, like, fun. We had – I mean, we started in BEC in, like, the t- tiny auditorium. Yeah. And by the time I left uh, and we were, I was wrapping up here at St. Thomas, we were in the – in the, on the basketball court in the arc, like, with full performances, like, more packed than a basketball game. So wow. So it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a good time.
0: So that's – you're building something now, and we'll talk a little bit more about Turn Signal in a little bit. But was that experience before with helping build Pulse and becoming the president and getting it growing – did that help you grow turn signal and have that experience moving that forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that pulse definitely had that, especially with the executive team and kind of navigating those waters with people with different opinions, but even more so as class president with, you know, going to those Sunday meetings mm-hmm. uh, every Sunday and, and meeting with all the constituencies and, and deciding things that were going to affect campus in a really real way um, for a lot of your friends that may or may not even know that you're involved in that work. Um, It was a lot of conversations with differing opinions, and if you don't learn how to navigate those waters early, it's going to be tough to to lead an organization. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and and leadership is right about uh, understanding others, and that not everybody has the same opinion. And it to me, it feels like we're in a spot in society where it's harder to have differing opinions. Mm -hmm. How, from your viewpoint, and as a leader, how can people come together? How can we be better at Accepting others' opinions, working with others' opinions, reaching across the aisle to steal a political Mm -hmm.
1: term. Yeah. I think to even run with that, um, a a trepidatious way of talking in that uh, political ideology, it's, you know, what I've learned early on is if you can't have constructive conversations with folks that have differing opinions than you then you aren't growing either, right? Um, If you walk into every conversation assuming that you're right and you can't be moved and the other side is doing the same thing, that's going to create this chasm that continues to grow, whether it's politically, socially, or anywhere else, or in an organization, for that matter. Um, I always talk about my brother. My brother is a... uh, He graduated from Alexandria Tech's Police uh, Academy. He is like a, a... He lives in Arizona. He loves guns, and he's a Republican. And he's my best friend. And we talk 10 times a day. But I am on a lot of the opposite end of a lot of those things. But... Every conversation we have together is always rooted in like, hey, I know that you want the best for whatever people we're talking about or whatever end goal that we have. We, in fact, always have the same end goal, I would say. But how you get there can be different. And Mm -hmm. so if you can't have constructive conversations around that, you know, you're you're not doing the work.
0: And that's really what has to be done. So it starts uh, starts with an open mind. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll try and remember that. But I'm right most of the time. <laughs> I well, I'm a
1: lawyer, so I I feel like I yeah. my wife at least tells me I think I'm right <laughs> a lot of the time. Too. And you can
0: argue it, too. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Exactly. Uh so what got you into law?
1: So, when I was a junior, I had um I, my undergrad degree is in computer science with a minus, uh, minor in business. And I was working at 3M in their web development group. I was 20 21 years old i had braids that went all the way down my back and i was driving out to woodbury uh and and in that environment i was like you know i love the computer science work but i'm just too extroverted to be in this cubicle with other you know more introverted folks that just wanted to be heads down coding right um and so i thought you know i have to explore other options so that summer while i was in that internship i applied to st thomas's uh, early admission law school program and was accepted the summer before my senior year um, so even going into senior year, I knew I was going to go to law school here at Saint Thomas, um, and that's what really catapulted me catapulted me into that. I knew, you know, my personality is one where I'm having these kind of conversations. I won't say combative. if I'll say um, um, debates almost around so many things with my friends, loved ones, and everyone in between, where it was it was really lended uh, the ability to go into law and. The last part is just competing. Yeah. Um, I always talk about being a litigator, a lawyer that practices law in the way that you go to court and argue things. Um, it's just, it's just like playing sports. It's just sports and suits, is what I always say. And it's in a way, it's an ability to keep competing on some level. And I was just talking about it with someone else recently that it actually feels better than winning a rugby game or winning uh, a game against St. John's when you're playing football because. Uh, that intellectual battle is mm-hmm. is the, the 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 gratification from a win there it just feels different it's transcended in a way that really um, you you get a taste of on a competitive field but in in law it's just it's different
0: there's a rush there I would imagine too when you put together an argument that you're like this is this is really good it's, and and it all comes together and you get to go toe to toe with somebody
1: yeah and I think a lot of people uh, have the thing like you're you're upset with someone at work or maybe you're <laughs> your friend talking about whether Aaron Rodgers Should have gotten that contract and you're in your shower And you're like they're going to say this and then I'm going to say That right <laughs> uh, that is exactly It but you got to do it on paper and then go Argue it it is it is really gratifying To do And it's a lot of fun. And I have the same playlist, like (laughs) from like Young Jeezy to like Lil Wayne that I played playing football before a game, is the same one I play on the way to court if I'm going to argue in front of a judge. It's like the same playlist, it's like the same kind of endorphins being released, same incitement going into it. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's really cool. So, uh, the specific area of law you wanted to be in, you wanted to be a litigator. 100% 100% yeah,
1: yeah, I just knew that you know reading the the contracts and and editing that wasn't for me I knew that uh, creating these arguments and doing the sports and suits kind of work would would be um, What really spoke to me and what I what I have a passion for? Um, and it you know kind of went with my personality again being extroverted liking to talk to people and being in front of a group and talking yeah. You know if you can get in front of a jury. It's it's the most fun. But, yeah um, It's rare. So that's that's the only downfall I would say everyone thinks that a lawyer is like law and order, but You get in court maybe twice, three times a year if you're lucky.
0: Okay. So, if you were... Who would play you if you were going to be on Law & Order? Oh, my gosh. Uh...
1: So few people look like me, which is tough. I would. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an actor. It'd have to be an athlete. Like Blake Griffin would have to play me. Is okay. what it would be. That's yeah. he would have to move. You know, his, I could see that his career is drying up. He needs to, to go. On, <laughs> he needs to go on over and start acting. He can make the transition. Is yeah.
0: he older than you, though?
1: I think we're the same age. Oh, okay. Yeah. So somewhere around there, which is terrible because now you know professional athletes when you're old enough that the they talk about professional athletes your age being done with their career it's yeah. tough. so 31
0: yeah they're talking about how old tom brady is and i'm like i'm older than him so <laughs> let's <it> just <laughs> yeah let's slow down everybody exactly um so it seems like turn signal uh was kind of a blending of computer science that background there and your background as a lawyer yeah, that's
1: exactly right. And then, you know, even more so with my two co-founders, Andre and Mike, both Mayak football players as well. So Mike and I went to St. Thomas here um, together, um, and that's where we met. Uh, and he has an undergrad in, um, in marketing, and he went on to get his MBA. Um, and then Dre, our, our third co-founder, has an accounting degree, and he also received his MBA. Uh, fun fact, I our house was the host of Dre during his college visit. To Saint Thomas, really, and I guess we didn't do a good job. No. He ended up going to Gus Davis. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
0: brought him back into the fold later, so That's you right. eventually got him. That's right. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about Turn Signal. I think the app is fascinating. Yeah, so Turn Signal is an app that you can
1: have on your phone, whether you have an iPhone or Android device. Um, when you're pulled over or in an accident, you simply press one button or use a voice command, and it instantly records the interaction and connects you to an attorney on a video conference, face to face. 24-7, 365. Uh, the mission is simple and it's three-pronged. It's to first uh, protect driver's civil rights, second to de-escalate that roadside interaction, and third and most important to ensure both drivers and law enforcement return home safe at the end of every day.
0: Yeah. So you get to approach this from a lot of different perspectives. You have the brother who is a police officer, you as a lawyer, and then also as a civilian. And, and when you get into those instances those endorphins that adrenaline and it's usually a situation none of us have been in mm-hmm. before there's all sorts of mitigating factors in there
1: yeah and and that's exactly right and i think the totality of circumstances that are that are factors in my life led me to to be here from the computer science the law degree the brother in law enforcement the you know active work in diversity equity inclusion that i did in, in my work as a lawyer as well um it all led me to say you know and and being you know out at these visuals and and being at these peaceful marches saying you know we have to build a tangible solution uh, we always say a turn signal that um the, everyone in the country knew the name george floyd everyone in our state knew for sure in corners of the world and the awareness reached a critical mass but what are we doing to to then create a solution based on that awareness and if you know three black professionals from the twin cities aren't going to leave their job and do it i don't know really who will uh, we're at the the Minneapolis, Minnesota, at like you know the epicenter for a call for social change. And if we can do it again to the to the our earlier point of a way that can be bridging a gap and to really be a solution for everyone involved, that's a
0: win-win, right? It's an app to bridge the gap. We always yeah. say. So this was born after everything that went down with George Floyd and all of the the everything that went on after that.
1: Yeah. So then that's you know our our genesis story is, is unique in that way. Where Andre and Mike my two co-founders have actually known each other since they were in utero their parents Mm -hmm. were friends in in the church right and they grew up together and they grew up in st paul they grew up playing sports with the castile family in fact they you know andre went to jj hill the school where philando worked right and so that was like the the beginning of a conversation and then you know we're young in our careers we weren't ready or didn't know what we should do yet and then george floyd happens and it's really a point where we all came together and we're like what can we do how can we be a part of the solution and we have to leave our jobs in the middle of a pandemic to do it, which we did. You know, we left uh, in you know the fall of, of 2020 and started building it, and by May of 2021, we we launched the
0: product. Wow, that's so th- there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of scary moments in that, from what it's born out of to leaving a job, especially as a lawyer. Those usually pay pretty well. Uh, there's a lot of risks. So was it was it a no brainer? Like, listen, this is just such a public service that we have to do this
1: yeah and I, I never want to make it seem like we are the most courageous people and we started eating macaroni and cheese in our in the, <laughs> in the basement of our mom's house uh, all of us have the privilege of being supported by uh, myself and, and Mike both are supported by a, a wife that that in, our wives that encouraged us to do it and and Dre with his fiance. Um, all of them supporting us in doing it, so it was a little easier when you have, you know. I was like, "Hey, babe, I'm already on your insurance, right? <laughs> like, right. Let's see your, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's take the leap of faith." Um, but yeah, I mean, I would have, you know, I was slotted to make partner here in 2022 at my firm if I would have stayed for a couple more years. But um, the call to do something is just so much bigger sometimes, mm-hmm. and. And again, if if we weren't able to do it not only with our personal interest in it but also the availability to leave and and do it without fear of you know having to live on on the corner, um, we really it was almost an obligation at that point to to really to leave and build something and and we love doing it. That's the other thing is, you know I, I love practicing law. I love being a litigator. If I wasn't doing turn signal, it's the number one job I would want to be doing. Uh, but this one is just a little better. I get to build something with two friends that I've known for you know well over a decade, and I get to not only build a company, which is a lot of fun no matter what it is, but a company that really is a tangible solution to something that is, is a real problem in, in
0: current society. And you get to use your extrovertedness to go recruit lawyers to be a part of this. I mean, when you start trying to draw people in, What was the initial reaction amongst, because you had to reach out to how many lawyers you have to have on the docket to be available 24 hours a day?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think myself and and Damien are, who is now, we're now a team of, eight nine people at turn signal uh, Damien is one of the attorney recruiters that we work with uh, from we, he used to work at Thompson Reuters uh, his wife actually works at St. Thomas uh, but got um, good taste yeah exactly <laughs> uh, and so you know in in I think 30 days we added over 30 attorneys in the state of California it's a really quick uh, upswing especially when you can really pitch the, the message of what we're doing mm-hmm. it's an easy buy-in and for the attorneys it's really low stakes right it's uh, hey just have this on your phone if it rings answer Um, I'm not asking them to go sit in an office for X amount of hours. It's kind of like Uber, but you don't even got to leave your house. Right. Just, you can just have it in your pocket. Um, so, so that is a lot of the work and, and, you know, talking to folks about it, but also just talking to, to businesses and corporations as well, because the big thing about turn signals, is not just for people to download on their phone. If they're just a person listening to this podcast, we're also partnering with organizations, who so many in June of 2020 were trying to find out how they can fill this gap both internally within their organization and externally in community. So we partner with people. Um, they offer turn signal to every employee, whether, uh, it, you know, just like they offer health and dental insurance. Mm-hmm. They say, we are going to give you and your children turn signals so you can feel safe driving to or from work or your kids at basketball tournament on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, so talking with those businesses is a large part of uh, the work that we're doing as well. So and, and it's nationwide. We're in Minnesota, Georgia and California nationwide, hopefully by the end of, of 2022, if not in yeah. Q1 of 2023.
0: How did you end up in those locations? Obviously, Minnesota, where you're based, but then California and Georgia. Georgia. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's always a, a totality of factors as well. So it's. Um, where is a population that we know is going to be early adopters of the program? Where is there an organization that really wants to get on board and, and help us expand to a new market and give it to their employees, which is a great jumpstart for the program uh, in a new market or jurisdiction? Um, and then also just uh, how, how well we can get in and have conversations with law enforcement. That's a really big part of what we do. Um, before we launch a market, we have to talk to law enforcement to say, hey, we're turn signal, and in Minnesota, we met with over twenty police officers before we launched, from several chiefs of police all the way down to boots on the ground officers here in St. Paul, mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, um, this is turn signal. When you see this bumper sticker, I want you to feel safer when you approach this car than you do in any other interaction. In fact, you tell me, give me some feedback about the app, and as I explain and show it to you, to learn what we can build into this to make it more safe for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that having those conversations really helps the the law enforcement." Uh, officers understand hey, this isn't a, a, a police watch app. This really is in the vested interest of us to feel safer as well um, Because you know we have to explain to them that every attorney on the platform you can't just go online and, and sign up uh, Damien and I talk to you We go through the the review process and then we send those attorneys to third-party de-escalation training mm. So that we make sure that they can really know what they should and shouldn't be doing in that situation often de-escalating the the driver not the law enforcement officer because it's a frantic, scary moment. Um, so all of that to say, we have to have those conversations, and that's another piece of of how we determine what states and jurisdiction we're, we're going into next.
0: Yeah, it seems like fear would be the number one escalator in those situations on both sides. Yep.
1: Yeah. No. And that's one hundred percent right. And the the analogy I always use when I'm when I'm talking to folks. Especially so I always say I've been pulled over 12 times in my life and I've never received a ticket not once right and we can do that that's a whole podcast about why that has happened but um, what I always say is that fear that runs through everyone's veins is there. Um, and specifically in, in communities of color, it's it's a heightened fear I always the analogy I use is when you I don't know if you go to the airport and you put your bag on that little like sliding thing and then your you, Your heart beats a little bit. You're like wait Did I leave like a, a Swiss Army knife from when I went camping three months ago in there? Or, right. like what you know, and you're nervous and you're like but I have nothing to worry about But it's it's an innate fear that just kind of snaps in that moment and that is really felt in those moments and, 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 and hyper felt in some communities um, and it's really important that we can be there to, to ease that fear, which is the first step in de-escalating and keeping people safe there.
0: Yeah. So turn signal, if people want to use it, how do they
1: get involved or get it going? Yeah. So turn signal is uh, an app that's in the the um, Apple uh, App Store or in Google Play Store. You can download it. It's Turn Signal spelled without the A, so T-U-R-N-S-I-G-N-L. Uh, Turn Signal is the name of the app, and they can download it. It's um, 6 dollars a month or $60 a year. However, um, if you can't afford it, we let you on for free, and we don't charge you. We don't even take your credit card information because we don't want uh, anyone's safety being dependent on you know their ability to add another
0: subscription in this world right. of Hulu's and Netflix and, <laughs> and Spotify's. Right. Yeah. Um, so you were recently named to the 40 Under 40 list. What's that mean to you? Um, I mean, very recently, it was just a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a
1: a really nice honor. I think I, I scrolled through that list of people, and it's kind of like uh, you're honored to be on a list with people of that caliber, some people I really look up to. Right. Um, and, and to be honest with you, it's hard for me to fathom being in, in the same conversation with them. Uh, really, really amazing people doing great work in business and in community. Uh, so I was really honored to be in that. But I think it's also uh, it speaks to the um, the community that helped me get here. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my parents, my siblings, holy angels, St. Thomas, my friends uh, and everyone else in between. Um, I'm not you know, I, did, I didn't move through this world in isolation. I did it based on the the help and, and building blocks of, of all of those things, especially, you know, I'm not saying it just because this podcast, especially St. Thomas, St. Thomas really helped mold me to the the man that I am today so uh, you know it's I think it's a culmination of all of those things and so I'm appreciative for all of them to help me get to that list
0: one thing I've learned about St. Thomas since coming over here is that St. Thomas uh, Tommies are Tommies for life oh yeah like it's it's a club once you're in you are in. my my son is still like dad's favorite color is purple yeah
1: <laughs> and it's like you know i it's been a while since i was you know tommy tuesday wearing a purple shirt on campus but um it really like there's there's nothing better than you know bumping into someone and them saying i literally yesterday i i was at a pitch meeting with an organization that's gonna onboard trend signals their employees he said yo yeah i you know i went to st thomas a w- long time before you but I'm friends with Glenn and our daughters are friends and they're going to go to St. Thomas next year. It's a really deep community and it feels really good to be a part of it. I think, you know, people love, you know, I went to the Ohio State University and that's great, but um, in Minnesota, things... That kind of name recognition of St. Thomas is so strong and brings so many good feelings for so many people that yeah. you know, I'm happy to be a part of it. And Glenn is friends with everybody. Isn't he, though? And he knows one fact about everyone. It's so amazing. I'll walk up, and Glenn will shake my hand and, and point to the person next to me and like, say, hey, this is Jazz. He played free safety here for a little bit, yeah. and boy, is he doing great things in the law field now. Like, He, yeah. he, has, a, he has a quick anecdotal statement about every single person.
0: It's did. a gift. There's no doubt about it. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, is, he's the same way with plays, too. He can recall a play like... 12 years ago, oh, yeah, it was third and six, and this is what we ran. Yes.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't remember what I had breakfast. Exactly morning. right. So, yeah.
0: It's yeah, it's amazing. All right, so let's ask you some questions about your time here at St. Thomas. Where was your favorite place on campus? Oh, <laughs> see, I'm going to date myself because I was going to say the grill,
1: which was like the spot. It was, you know, the, the arc before the arc where you can go and get a Dane, a chicken sandwich, and, and yeah. hang out. I was a big fan of hanging out in the grill and just and and kicking it. I also worked in the, what was the convenience store, the C store, and so I would just hang out down there. And uh, I think I'm outside of the statute of limitations to say like at the end of the day, like <laughs> my boss would be like you can take a frozen pizza home or yeah. uh, one of the naked juices. And so uh, I loved I loved that time. But you know, oh, God, our our house we lived across the street in the in the big yellow house over on 84 North Cleveland. That was that was a lot of fun across the street from the chapel. So yeah. those, were, those were some of my favorite places to hang out.
0: And I worked at Tiff's, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was, yeah. yeah. We love Tiff's. Yeah. Um, what, is, is there a place that's on campus now that you wish was around when you attended? Because I guess the, the building we're in now, the uh, the ARC and the Student Center, were brand new right, yeah. right those, towards the end. Those were my junior and senior year, but. I
1: was able to you know the whole change of the jp2 what was jp2 kind of the the northeast corner of campus uh now is really amazing mm-hmm. uh and you know i was in brady uh hall and my friends were in ireland but that whole area is is just really nice and uh as much as i love the sand volleyball courts that were back there kind of those those spaces look really great and i would have loved to been to experience those and i haven't even been in the new uh the new area underneath the the chapel so I yeah. to check it out
0: yeah well you just tell them who you are tell them you're a 40 under 40 guy and you can go wherever you want yeah man. and they're like
1: so are you 40 then i'm like well i'm 31 but yeah. I appreciate it yeah under 40 it's yeah. 40 under 40 Yeah. I think my, my my wife was like you need to, you should have been 30 under 30 sounds like a missed opportunity for you there oh <laughs> yeah so oh she's got <laughs> a little competitiveness yeah. in her huh no, well yeah she deserves to be on the 40 under 40 that's for sure yeah
0: yeah um so what do you do for
1: fun uh, you know, I am still absolute best friends with my St. Thomas roommates. Uh, so whether it's you know getting together with at a brewery for, for beer with you know Fritz or Ryan Pedersen or Ricky Marguerite or any of any of the crew, that's really what we're still doing and now we're just doing it with kids running around a little bit too so yeah uh that's you know that uh sitting in a coffee shop but honestly now also turn signals like fun to me it's really rare that work can be fun right but i was up till 1 sending emails last night and i wasn't upset about it i was yeah. i was stoked about doing it so uh beers with friends uh and and games i love you know i'm a big timberwolves vikings twins fan so yeah you can catch me at all of those
0: um that's been a rough run for a long time being it, a fan of those three it's a lifestyle i have never this <laughs> is <a> lifestyle. <laughs> it,
1: this, this is one of, uh, an ode to my mom i've never missed a twins opener in my entire life i really gone, i've gone to 31 twins openers wow so uh that speaks to how much i'm dedicated to them no matter how much yeah. the yankees beat us in the first round of the playoffs every year
0: so i grew up in denver and i'm a denver broncos fan and when they won their first super bowl that was one of the greatest days of my life. Oh, I can I, only imagine. So, but you weren't around for the World Series. Nope. that no. was well, I was alive, but yeah. 91 94?
1: 90, uh, F- 90, yeah, 91. 87 and 91. 80, 87 91. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um I was I wasn't around to really appreciate or enjoy them, but I was around uh, for the Minnesota Miracle. Yeah. I, I had a cousin, this is a stupid story. I had a cousin who uh, was a, a journalist for New Orleans. And so he said, hey, I have a press pass to go to this game. Um, and I don't have a camera guy. Do you want to come hold my camera on the field? And so I was on the field for the Minnesota oh, Miracle. Yeah. So that was like the closest I've been to one of those great you know, sports moments in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, that was a great moment. Yeah, I can't eat, What was that like being down on the field for that? It was so, inc- it was electrifying and like,
1: yeah. um, And it was it's hard to explain the moment, but I remember feeling such like overt like jubilation and excitement, but also in the moment I still able to look around and take in how excited everyone else was Mm -hmm. and like realizing you're in the moment when in it is rare, but it really felt like that on the field that day and then (laughs) immediately after I had to go hold the camera in the New Orleans press conference which oh, was a yeah. different temperature in that room. Yes. Oh, uh, but it was it was awesome that. Gosh, that was a lot of fun.
0: I would imagine that's as close as a feeling as you can get when being an athlete cuz being out on the field and being in front of fans and hearing that cheering—that's a unique experience. Yeah. I would imagine that's as close as you've come since then.
1: Oh, absolutely! And when you when you're on the field and doing it, I think back to you know the days of St. Thomas here, and like when when the Johnnies were here and the stadium is packed, and you hear the crowd roaring—it is such an awesome feeling—and then. You know, you could, I, that's why I say I like being a lawyer so much because you try to replicate that. Yeah. Uh, but then to have it on such a big level and be there in that moment, it really brought you back to it. It kind of like felt like, you know, the good old days a little bit. Yeah.
0: So there's not a lot of cheering in court. Yeah. <laughs> um, so w- what's the closest uh, feeling to that? Is it the gavel Getting pounded, or is it, what's the the equivalent?
1: Um, uh, There's two equivalents, I would say. The first is when they ask a question, the judge will ask a question, Mr. Hampton, I really don't understand how you think this is outside of the statute of frauds. And then you have a, it's like, you see, it's like seeing a curveball come, you're like, I've practiced swinging and hitting this curveball a hundred times in batting practice. Yeah. And I practiced it in the shower before I got here. (laughs) And I know this question, and you answer, and then they just nod their head like, okay, thanks for the response, and they don't have a follow-up. That's one. And the second is a little, it doesn't, it isn't in the moment. Is you, you, you argue this and you, you hope for the best in, uh, let's say, a motion for summary judgment. And you hope for the best and you go home and you don't know if you won for two to three, four months. And then just you get an email that says, Congratulations, you won the motion for summary judgment. And you're in your office alone, like screaming and yeah. yelling and cheering. Uh, but man, it's kind of like the moment when you get. To bring it back to St. Thomas, when I opened that envelope and found out about the scholar, the the D scholarship that I that I had the opportunity to receive, yeah. and I was like, wow! Like, and you're reading it and you're scanning it and you're like, is this is this what I think it says? Right. Uh, it, it's that kind of moment that you get when you when you ultimately get the judge's decision back on one of those big motions, you, you get to argue. So yeah,
0: those are lifelong memories for sure. Yeah. Uh, what are you watching and streaming these days? Oh, I am like some people. You know, a lot of people are like, I'm
1: reading all these great books. I i watch a lot of tv so uh get ready <laughs> thank for, you for admitting yeah that. <laughs> get ready to unpack this for a while no i um i just finished like that inventing anna series um big ozarks fan yes uh, all of those shows if it's yeah. in the top 10 in netflix i've seen it yeah uh and then the sleeper show that i feel like people don't really appreciate on netflix is peaky blinders that show yeah. is 10 out of 10
0: do you have to have the subtitles on to understand it <laughs> sometimes That's Especially what I've when, heard. when the folks from
1: like the Irish the people from Ireland or the IRA at the time yeah. their accents are a little thick and it's hard to, to follow along with but oh, I love I love all of those shows and then also you know I am not above watching trash uh, TV with my wife as well so and you know whether it's Bravo or whatever yeah. those networks are uh, The Bachelor I was watching last night with her so okay. I'm not above it a glass no. of wine in the Bachelor.
0: You're a good husband.
1: <laughs> no. And she, you know what? She's going to listen to this and be like, Jazz, you made me watch The Bachelor, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> she puts you in place. I yeah. can see why you married her yeah. as a somebody, a lawyer, as who she likes should. to deal
0: with that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Honestly, my wife and I talk about like, you know, quote unquote trash TV. And it's like after working all day or your mind is running, my wife works, she worked at Best Buy and then Target corporate. And now she sells into Target from Speedo. She works incredibly hard every day. And after doing that, like, and then we have three kids. We have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, an eight-month. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And after that, like, I don't want to watch something that is, like, super, I have to be active and thinking. I just want to sit back and not think too yeah. hard. And that that those shows do a great job of, of filling that gap for me.
0: When you watch a law, a law, like Law and Order, or any show about lawyers, do you pick it apart? And you're like, oh, no, that wouldn't. That would never happen.
1: It's just like, uh, you know, it'd be like LeBron watching a, a poor, uh, an actor that has never played sports in their life shoot a jump shot. Right. And he's like, that doesn't no. even seem like regular form at all. And it's not going to go in, right? <laughs> <laughs> that That is unfortunately what watching law shows is like. And, you know, they the one thing I always say is they make it seem like a case goes through in like in three weeks. And an average case from the day that it's filed to, you know, going to a jury is like two or three years. Oh, wow. So you often aren't even at the same law firm anymore when that case goes to trial. Um, So that's a little frustrating. And then (laughs) the things they get away with is just not real as well. So uh, (laughs) I'm like, I wish that's how court worked and I could say whatever I want, but it's not how it
0: works. (laughs) Well, that's good to know because everybody, if you're in a profession and you're watching it on TV – that's not the way it actually works
1: oh not at all but you know it's still it's still fun to watch it it's kind of you know it's kind of like i'm sure lebron enjoys watching basketball because you can you can really pick it apart but yeah it's uh but it's never that never that good
0: well really appreciate your time jazz uh best of luck with turn signal it seems like a great app and again tell more people again how if they want to get turn signal what do they need to do
1: yeah yeah and the that's I, I appreciate you saying it because the last thing I think I didn't mention is you know turn signal started you know we talked about the genesis with with George Floyd and and Philando Castile um, and how it's a really good uh, app for people of color to have but what we also talk about is that the the use case is so much beyond that um, we talk about different personas of who use the app so whether you're protective Paul which is a parent who has a 16 17 26 year old kid that they're handing keys to and driving. Um, they want to make sure that they're feeling safe when they're out there driving, whether it is a pullover or an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in my first accident when I was 16 years old, the first thing I did was try to call my dad. But he was working. He was delivering mail at the time. Um, so not only was he not able to answer, he he wouldn't have really known what I should and shouldn't do. You know, argument, Hey, do I have to get their insurance, Dad? Or if I don't call the police, am I fleeing the scene of an accident, what should I do? Um, those concerns go beyond, you know, race or ethnicity or socioeconomic lines. Uh, they're concerns that all parents have. So protect, where well, Protective Paul, or the last one, ironically, we call Careful Courtney, which is my wife's name. Uh, <laughs> and she's from a small town in Minnesota, Belle Plaine, where she's been pulled over or in an accident where there's no one in sight for two miles. Right. It's an unsettling proposition for her to be in by herself, right? Again, it you know, outside of those kind of initial racial uh, lines that people think of sometimes with needing help in those moments. Uh, so whether, so I say all that to say whether you you're you're careful courtney whether you're protective paul or whether you're you know tony who is a person of color who statistically has higher interaction with law enforcement the app is here for everyone to make sure they feel safe so go to the you know google play store go to the android uh go to the android store or go to the app store and download turn signal uh and we'll be here to to keep you safe
0: awesome jazz really appreciate your time thank you so much thanks for having me i appreciate
1: it